Welcome to the Worship Place podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. Thank the Lord. May love abound, right? Let love abound. There's so many components to love. It's very difficult. When I read all the components, I'm like, God, give me your love. How many of you have had a big forgiveness like you had to do? Sometimes even a small forgiveness is so offensive that it takes you a few days to get over it. Does that not remind you of the job God has given himself? Like whenever it's trouble for me to forgive, I just go, God, how do you do this day in and day out? The offense. May we never offend you, Lord. Show, show us the things we're doing that's grieving the Holy Spirit. Show us the things, Lord. We do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit. You know how to grieve the Holy Spirit? Pretty much ignore him until Sunday. The devil's, you know, his, his people work harder than the people of God. I'll tell you why. They have to. I've read some stories, some testimonies, some warlocks, former warlocks, former witches. They, they were given assignments that if they didn't complete, they knew their mother was going to get in a horrible accident or their child was going to come out with a disease no one knew. And so they do, they work that hard from fear. They don't want a bad thing to happen to them. And they have to do crazy things. Whatever he tells them to do, they have to do it. So the people of God, because God is gentle and kind, often become lazy. We're not, we don't feel the push to complete the task. How many of you, when you start, how many of you have been to college sometime, some way? Some of you? Yeah. When you start school, and this is even in the high school as well, when you start school, the first day of school, you start with all the rules, all the issues, syllabus, all the things that you must do to complete this course and pass with an A. It's described specifically. You cannot miss more than three unexcused absences. <clears throat> Each teacher gets to make their rules. You cannot miss an exam unless you have been pre. Your your reason your reason is so big that the teacher makes a random exception for you, like you went to the emergency room that day. Everything is listed in there. You must be prepared at all times for a pop quiz that you don't know when's going to happen, but it's coming. You don't know what subject's going to be on, but it's coming. I remember in my um, neurobiology class, uh, I, got, I, had, I got the last year of one of a famously hard teacher at UNCG that later every single time a uh, person saw, you know, the counselors that help you prepare your next classes. Every time they saw that A on there, they would look up from my transcript and say, 
you made an A with doctor. And I would go, I worked like a dog. I, I mean, I taught, I, you know, he would say, call me if you have questions. Well, you know, we would be tested on like 40 textbook pages. And he said, you don't know what it is. Sometimes it would be a, an illustration of a fish or something. And you would have studied random amounts of material. But you just didn't look at the illustration of the fish. But he made concessions because he, he made other things. You could approach him if you felt like you, um, you know, somebody had graded your grade wrong because he didn't do all the grading. There was different things. But he had all these rules for you to be able to complete that course. But there's a lot of Christians sitting here today, this morning, that God has assigned you to uh, something. But your mission is incomplete. If they would have told us in college how to complete the mission, how to just get an incomplete, not a zero or F or an A, if they said, oh, do this and you can just get an incomplete grade, we wouldn't study near as hard as we did. We wouldn't attend every class in the burning heater when our family came and we still went to visit us, or when we wanted to take a vacation, everybody in the family was getting to go, but we couldn't. If we could have just got an incomplete where we could finish it later, it'd be fine. But there was no, nothing made for an incomplete, incompletion of classes, of passing this. And I want to talk to some Christians here today God has talked into your life. God has given you dreams. God has given your own dreams for your own spiritual encounters with God. And you're sitting here today. Have you made a step, even one step toward it? And even if you've made a hundred steps, is the commission, have you completed the mission? You say, I feel like God's called me to the healing ministry. Are you out on the corner praying for people? Are you exercising what you said you are called or you feel called to do. If we don't use the stuff we're taught in this building, the mission's incomplete. I want to share something with you because this was a revelation that literally scared me to death. We are the hands and feet of God. When God told the nations of the earth, I will feed... Uh, to feed the poor, feed the poor. What did he tell the body of Christ? Feed the poor. If somebody's cold, give them a blanket. If, somebody, if, if, it's, if you have a coat, give them your coat. You do, you do, you do. He tells us all this stuff, right? And then, we, are we doing it? And the scary part about that is, is that the things that we're supposed to do and we don't, he considers it that we didn't do it to him. Like, he was cold, actually. Actually, he was the one laying on the sidewalk without a blanket. Actually, it was him who was hungry. And you didn't feed me. I was sick. It was me that you did not visit. I mean, 
every Christian in this world that doesn't feel the fear of God come upon you when you get that understanding. When he said the poor of the of the world will be fed, who was he thinking was going to do that? He actually thought his church. He actually thought the, his, his body would feed the world, would send food, would clothe the hungry, would do this. And if they're not getting it, we're at fault. We are the ambassadors of God upon the earth. We are the hands and feet of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We cannot make it to heaven with a mission incomplete. He's commissioned us. He's given us assignments that are horribly uncomfortable to do. Horribly get you out of your comfort zone. Stresses you out to even think about going to the corner and start saying, does anybody want prayer? You need to pray for your family. Do you think it's magic that we just appear down there and we got miracles? No. There's fear. There's dread. There's thinking, what am I going to say? Then when you get there, you think, oh, I'm powered by the Holy Spirit. I got the Spirit on me. Praise God. I've been praying. I've been fasting. Now I'm standing there. Now Now we dismiss each other to go. And now you go. Oh, my God, who's going to be the first one? These are the things he has given us to do. They're hard for the flesh because we don't want to be embarrassed. They're uncomfortable because we don't want to be uncomfortable. But when you work for Christ, that is the cross that you're laying down, the surrender of, so they think I'm crazy. Okay, fine. At least I will have obeyed you today. At least I would have done what you told me to do. He'll test you, too, because he gives you something to do, and then you do it, and then it didn't seem like that mattered to anybody at all. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. But you obeyed him. How does he test? How, does he, how's, how can he give you a big project if he, gives you, if he doesn't give you a nothing project? Well, you'll never know. And you said, do you need healing? And they said, no. You go, okay, God bless you today. And you thought God told you they needed healing. Okay, that's happened to me. So that's what you do. You just, you just walk into, you just bathe in the uncomfort. You bathe in the discomfort. You say, that's the obedience that's better than sacrifice. Better than fasting 40 days is to obey the spirit when he speaks obedience, humility, surrender to the power of God. Let us go this week, this week, tomorrow. Let us consciously think, what can I do for you today? And whatever he says, do it. Don't put your emotions on it. You don't need to cry. You don't need to laugh. You don't need to, all you need to do is obey. You don't need to get excited. You don't need to fast five days. You don't need to pray three hours. Just obey what you think he's telling you. And we'll come back next week and we'll see if you have any stories to tell. Lord bless you. That is the truth right there. Now, uh, 4th of July is the first Friday weekend. We're not going to go downtown on that Friday because it's 4th of July. They have a fun Friday downtown. There's too much going on. So put it on your calendar on the second Friday of July. 
We're going to go downtown for our street ministry, and we're going to obey the Great Commission. Go out where they are and, and find them and seek them. Also, um, Brother uh, Jim is going to begin a spiritual warfare class 10th of July, beginning the 10th of July. That's on a Sunday evening at 5 p.m. right here at the church. So if you want to turn the tables on the enemy and learn how to fight the good fight of faith, be there and learn. Why don't we stand and we will dismiss our Sunday school at this time. God bless our teachers and our Sunday school uh, children. And isn't it lovely to see these young people holding out signs and welcoming folks? Hallelujah. God, God bless the Fitzners. They've put all that together and got that going. And the kids are just part of the process of reaching our community with love and goodwill. I want to turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28. We're going to read verses 11 through 15. Then we're going to go to Isaiah 14, verses 11 uh, through 15, strangely enough. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum. Would you say that with me? Sealest up the sum. Hmm. We don't talk like that much anymore. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets. Everyone say tabrets. And of thy pipes. Would you say pipes? I had pipes on my first car in 1969, Chevy El Camino. But that's not what we're talking about here. Was prepared in thee the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee also. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down amidst the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in all thy ways from the day that thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. Then Isaiah chapter 14, verses 11 through 15. Thy pomp is brought down to the grave. And the noise of thy vials. Would you say vials? The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. Oh, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Thou art cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. I think I'll just stop right there. Now, in case you're operating under the false illusion that the devil has it all and can do it all, let me tell you, you're wrong. What I'm going to preach to you this morning is about what the devil doesn't have and cannot do. Let me say that again so hell can hear me. 
We're going to talk about what the devil doesn't have and cannot do. Let's open our hearts. Precious God, we thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. And we pray that the spirit of the living God would be with us as we engage our hearts and minds in following after the will and the purpose and the plan of the Almighty. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Thank you very much. Smile at someone and you may be seated. To seal the sum is to receive a full measure of perfection. There are people that give up on God because they claim, I just can't measure up. First of all, don't you know God knew that for he died on Calvary to forgive you of your sins? Secondly, if perfection were the answer, it would have worked with regard to Lucifer. But there was a problem with perfect. It says you were perfect in all until iniquity was found in thee. It looked like the devil had it all. To seal up the sum is to have a full measure of perfection so as that nothing more could be added. Like some of us married folks thought about our own selves before the marriage retreat. Then we discovered we're not all that sometimes. What the devil would soon discover is regardless of how much he had, there was the possibility of how much he could lose. He began in the Garden of Eden as a mysterious serpent. Lots of conjecture on what that would have been. But he's been losing ever since. When he turns up in the book of Revelation, he's a dragon cast to the ground, vile, angry, wicked, Flaming. And so the devil's on a downward trajectory today. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, you got it all. If you have Jesus, you have it all. If you have Jesus, you have what it takes to be saved. If you have Jesus, you have the answer to life's trouble. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. You see, Jesus sealed up the sum on Calvary when he said, it is finished. Now, when it comes to redemption, everything was done that could have possibly been done by Jesus on Calvary to guarantee the possibility of you and you and you and you and you being saved, making heaven your home. This is why it is an insult and a slap in God's face to try to introduce anything other than what Jesus did for us on Calvary. Hebrews 10 uh, and 14 says it this way, For by one offering he hath perfected forever. He, he sealed the sum of redemption. He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. 
Now, I want you to notice this. When Satan, when Lucifer was created, he sealed the sum in terms of upward ascent. He was as beautiful and as glorious as a created and as powerful as a created being could be. As a created being could be. But Jesus came and sealed the sum in a downward direction. Why? Let this mind be in you, Philippians 2, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though being in the form of God, thought not it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus went as low as one could possibly go. Lucifer went as high as one could possibly go and fell. Jesus went as low as one could possibly go. So for Satan, there was no way, way to go but down. But for Jesus, there was no way to go but up. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so he who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5 and 1, became sin, amen, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Satan went down. Satan's began up and ended up down. Jesus went down and ended up on top. Hallelujah. Oh my God. Is he still on top in your life? Is he, is he on top in your circumstance? All right. So Satan, uh, call him Lucifer, however we want to call him, he was the covering angel. You can't cover something unless you're over the thing that you cover. He was over all other created beings. He walked up and down amid the fiery stones. He was perfect in all of his ways. And he was adorned with the very same gemstones that the Israelite high priest wore on his tunic when he ministered before the Lord. I believe I'm within a biblical uh, consistency to suggest the possibility that Lucifer functioned as some kind of a high priest in the courts of heaven before he fell. That he was highest in created order and beauty and that he wore the same gemstones that the earthly high priest would be given to wear. And, of course, not to mention that you yourselves are lively stones. And you are built up into a spiritual habitation for the presence of God. And you are kings and priests in Jesus Christ. Amen. The Old Testament priest had glory on his clothing. You got glory in your heart if you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we're talking about what Satan doesn't have and what he cannot do. 
So when we itemize uh, the list of the stones as we have read, we discover that as we focus on two things today, Satan's jewels and Satan's musical instruments. All right? First of all, you'll notice that in the book of Ezekiel, it said your, your pipes and, and um, your timbrels. And then in the book of Isaiah, it spoke of his vials. So what we have is we have pipes. These are the wood. They're blown instruments. They're reed instruments that are blown uh, like the woodwind, like the flutes and so forth. The timbrels are cymbals. They're percussion instruments. And so we have wind instrument and we have percussion instrument. And the viol is a stringed instrument. We hear the word uh, violin or viola. These are the same kind of root as these instruments. So I want to look at Hell's Orchestra for just a minute if I can. And I want to tell you something about how he operates. Number one, uh, he blows a lot of hot air. He's got an instrument with his mouth that he uses to intimidate, to accuse, to put down, to berate, to discourage people just like you in this building today. But we, oh my Lord, have to turn our ear to another heavenly sound, and that is the sound of our Redeemer. All right, then there's the timbrel. The timbrel is a percussion instrument. It produces sound by striking. If you've never been smacked by the enemy, you had not been around very long. Sometimes when you think you least expect it, he'll come up and slap you upside the head, and you won't know which way is up and which way is down. And somebody, has anybody been just stricken down by the enemy at some point in time? Oh, yeah. But rejoice not against me, O oh my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. You may be down, but you're not out. You may be hit, but you're not hurt. You may be under attack, but you're by no means defeated. Is there anybody here that's still got some fight in you? Then there's the vial. The vial is like any stringed instrument, and it produces sound by plucking or stretching the string. And when the string is stretched and released, it, it vibrates and it creates the sound. And so, <laughs> I feel like I'm preaching to somebody whose circumstances is stretched you out like a rubber band. And you don't know how much more of this you can take. But God knows just exactly how much we can take. And I, something about a child of God is that the people that have been serving God a long time aren't here because they've never been stretched. They're here because they're elasticity. Because you can bend us, but you can't break us. You can pluck and pull, but we just come right back to form. The minute the Holy Ghost starts to move and Spirit of God is poured out and an altar appeal is made, we put ourselves right back into shape and we're ready to go. Hallelujah. Come on. You've heard of, you've heard of bungee cords, haven't you? Well, let me tell you about bungee. Let me tell you about the stretch and the pull and the resilience of a child of God. You can tug on us. 
You can disshape us. You can stretch us. Amen. You can think you got us, but we're coming back. I said we're coming back. Oh, hallelujah. And so let me say this. Jesus was mocked on Calvary. He was smitten on the cross. He was stretched uh, between uh, the beams with his nails, with nails in his hands uh, and feet. Uh, but he came back uh, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And those of you that have been mocked, you're coming back. Those of you who have been smitten, you're coming back. Those of you that have been stretched, you're not bent out of proportion. You're coming back. So let me also say this by way of instruments. I am by no means an expert on uh, this topic. Uh, but I do know this. There are four categories of instruments in the orchestra. There is the uh, woodwind instrument, there are the percussion instruments, there are the stringed instruments, and there are the brass instruments. I want you to notice that hell has only three of the four categories. And so the first thing I want to remind you of something that the devil doesn't have and cannot do is he doesn't have a horn. Why does he not have a horn? Because God has reserved the sound of the trumpet for himself. And the trump of God shall sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Oh, hallelujah. Let me say this. Uh, trumpets uh, are instruments uh, of the battlefield, uh, and the devil doesn't have a horn to blow on. That means when trouble comes your way, uh, you uh, have a shout. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and sound the battle alarm and reinforcements are on their way. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sometimes you need to just shout your way to the victory. Sometimes you need to just praise your way through. Sometimes when you're outnumbered, you're outgunned, you're surrounded, all you got to do is just pick up a trumpet. Woo! Brass instruments are designed to warn. Let me tell you something the devil can't do and wouldn't do. He's not going to warn you to get yourself ready to meet the Lord. He just won't do it. He'll trick you, deceive you, and lie to you, but he won't warn you. So I want to say, if there's the slightest, smallest voice in the back of your heart and mind telling you you need to get your life right with God, that is not the devil saying that. That's the Lord of glory speaking to you. Amen. Can't do it. Huh. 
Also, Lucifer may be luminous, but he's limited. He's one category of instrument short of an orchestra. And he's also three rocks short of a full load. He's one category short of an orchestra. He's three rocks short of a full load. What do I mean by that? When you read the list of stones on Lucifer's breastplate and you count them, you come up with nine. When you read the list of the stones on the breastplate of the high priest and you count them, you come up with 12. Four rows of three on the breastplate of the high priest. So that means the devil's missing a row of rocks. Oh, he don't like me to tell you what he doesn't have. Because what he doesn't have relates to what he can't do. Oh, hallelujah. You know this here. It's, it said, though, that he had the full, he sealed up the sum. Well, what happened then? How could he seal up the sum of perfection if he only had nine of the 12? Well, maybe he began with 12 of the 12. That ever occurred to you? Could it be possible that when he swept a third of the angels out of heaven, that God swept a third of the stones right off of his breastplate, said, you do that, I do this. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, he don't want to talk about what he's losing. The devil is a loser. Let me say this. God confiscated perhaps a third of the precious stones uh, from his breastplate. So the, uh, the Aaronic priesthood had 12, uh, and he had three. Now, when you count the stones and the tribes they represent, these were the ones that were missing. The ligure, the agate, and the amethyst. The stone for the tribe of Gad, the stone for the tribe of Asher, and the stone for the tribe of Issachar. Is everyone following me? This is what he is missing. Well, names have meanings in the Bible. Issachar means burden bearer. Asher means uh, the producer of royal seed or reproduction. And Gad means uh, he will overcome in the end. So here's what hell don't have. He doesn't have the ligure or the agate or the amethyst. And here's what hell can't do. I don't want to just talk about what he can't have. I'm talking about what he can't do. All right? The devil, he can load you with burdens, but he cannot carry your burden. Witchcraft cannot help you if you got a burden. Tarot cards are not the answer if your life is full of trouble. Drugs and alcohol aren't the way of escape if you're carrying a heavy... Hell will load you with burden, but he cannot lift your burden. I don't want a God that I have to carry. I want a God who can carry me. 
The devil can't, but Jesus can. The devil won't, but Jesus will. Secondly, Asher means the producer of the royal seed. Satan can steal our fruit, lie to our children, but he cannot have kinfolk himself. He cannot have little demon kids. All the devils that ever were are all the devils that are. He cannot reproduce. That means while we're getting stronger, he's getting weaker day by day. It's no wonder that the devil who can't have children wants Americans and Europeans and people all over the world to sacrifice their children. No, in Jesus' name, no. Come on, somebody. That's why we need to reach into the fire and pull those lost souls into the ark of safety and weaken the devil by doing it in Jesus' name. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And thirdly, the devil, he can't, watch this, Gad means said your truth that wins in the end. The devil can win a battle every once in a while. Can't win the war. Read your Bible. He lost the war. No, you're not getting it. You ought to be standing. You ought to be shouting me down. You ought to be hearing me. Don't wait for the battle's over. Let's shout now. The song says, you know, in the end, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna win. Hell cannot win. He cannot win. Oh, Holy Ghost. I'd like the musicians to come. Come on, stand to your feet. You're a winner. You're a winner. You've already won. You've already won. Oh, la ba ba ma sa ta la ba ba ha. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He can't carry your burdens and he can't win this war in the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. Oh, my. And so I, I say to you, do you want to win? Yeah, then I want you to step out from where you are. Come up to the winner's circle here in the name of Jesus. This is where people come and want to win. We, we, we will win. We are winning. Hell can't win. He can't. He can't win. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes.